0: sorry that we weren't here last week. Unfortunately, we had, um, well, just some sicknesses happening and stuff happened. And it's just not the same without the three of us. So we figured we'd give ourselves a break and take the week off. And we know you all understand and appreciate us for taking care of ourselves. Thank you for that.
2: We missed you, though. We did.
3: It was we me. We did miss you. It was me. I was sick, <laughs> but I feel better. I, was,
0: I wasn't going to throw anyone under the bus. It's
3: It's okay. I can do it.
0: Uh, yes. So, we are back, and we are going to dive right into things with an email from Jose R. Have you ever come across a horror movie that is too gory, violent, or sadistic for you? That one movie that makes you say, this is where I draw the line. For me, it was 2005 movie Hostel. Thanks. I am really curious to hear Zena's answer for this one.
3: (laughs) Honestly, for the most okay, it's kind of a contradiction. For the most part, I really I don't want to sound like a psycho, but I could just I feel like I could just watch anything. But there is a movie that there's three of them, I believe, and I haven't watched any, and I don't ever plan on watching them. And that's the Human Centipede series. I'm just not a fan. Like I've I've heard uh, what it's about. I know the synopsis, but I just don't have a an interest in checking it out. Like I'm good, so.
0: I remember when news first broke about human centipede being a thing mm-hmm. and the trailer dropped. I watched the trailer. I mean, this was oh, 10 years ago or whatever. And it was the first time I ever watched a trailer where I was like, this this isn't right. Like, I felt weird because there's even <laughs> just like a flash of the centipede. It can't be more than like a second in the, the original trailer. And I was like, nope, nope, done. I'm out. <laughs> Never going to happen. I read about it on Wikipedia. I'm like, that's enough. And then I read about Wikip- or, uh, Human Centipede 2 on Wikipedia, and I'm like, oh, I am never going to watch this series.
2: It's winning.
0: Too much. Megan, W. I you?
2: I am pretty much in line with Zeno, where it's like I don't think I've ever turned off anything once I started it. Um, definitely, I do the whole wincing, close my eyes, squealing, like, oh, this is awful, depending on what the movie is, some of the more extreme ones. But I do remember... When I was like, I think I was around 12, and I had a mom and pop video store near me that just let me rent whatever, you know, no parental. Um, I think I'd been there enough with my parents anyways that they were like, all right, they clearly don't care. I love how
0: mom and pop equates to no parental supervision. I know, it does.
2: Well, I mean, like, I don't think I could have gotten away with it at at something like a blockbuster chain. But anyways, it was... Mm dead alive slash brain dead depending on the market and now it's fine but i remember the scene with the custard and the pus (laughs) and my (laughs) stomach was like flip-flopping i i made it through but i did not want to for a period there (laughs) (laughs) because that things with pus just not no i'm not a fan of that (laughs) I love that scene. <laughs> it's 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 so gross. Even today, like watching it now, it is, is a, you know. I know it's splatstick, and I know it's for laughs. But even I'm just like, oh. Uh.
0: <laughs> I have to watch it at the very right time of day when I'm not hungry, yeah, and don't want to be hungry, and have that perfect lens of this is comedy. This is comedy. Yeah,
2: it is. It's slapstick, and a lot of the movie is hilarious. But that moment is like, uh, have you ever heard of? Um, was it Casey, the the homemaker? Oh yeah, homicidal Casey, the homicidal homemaker. There you go. So she awesome. does. She does uh, recipes based on horror stuff. So oh, she has a YouTube oh, that's channel, awesome. and she did a recipe for this that's like. A, a custard and it's got a, like, I think it's fondant or something or a ch- modeling <sighs> chocolate ear that sits on top of it. And it's, no, I cannot. That's, that's adorably grotesque. And I don't think I'll be attempting to replicate that. But yeah.
0: Nice. That... Uh, I think for me, uh, Antichrist, oh, I've heard yeah. that genital mutilation is pretty much a line for me. <laughs> um, that
2: That's the line?
0: It's up there. I mean, I've seen some bad stuff. There's stuff I'm not going to reference on the show that I've been like, oh, well, now I've seen that, and that was that's evidently real. Um, that's too much. That, and uh, I have no interest in seeing Siberian film. Oh yeah, I understand that it's an allegory for uh, Serbian socioeconomic, political, war torn society. I get it. Fine, I can't watch so- what it's about. And be like, I'm okay with this.
2: So even shock extreme transgressive cinema that is not solely for shock value. Like, even it's, if it's got a purpose, that's still, like, your, that's your threshold.
0: Understood. Yeah, it's just too much. Like, maybe if I had some sort of a connection to the message that he was trying to say, I might be able to look at it differently. But it is so far beyond what I ever want to see. I'm like, mm, Fair. I'm I'm fine without it, you know? Yeah. I've seen, like martyrs and and lake eden and stuff and i'm Mm -hmm. like that's that's about enough for me
2: (laughs) (laughs) know your limits that's fine
0: it's important yes all right second question email from kelly novak i love watching along and hearing what you all thought of movies i've been it's been fun watching along i'm sure you've been asked this before but what is a horror movie that you love that no one else seems to love mine is doomsday 2008 yes it's a horror movie i never hear anyone talk about it and it's got everything, Mad Max, Car Chases, Cannibals, a Bionic Eye, a Killer Virus, and Rona Mitra kicking ass. I love it. I'm actually going to second Doomsday. Doomsday, I rewatched it for the first time, or for the, I hadn't watched it for quite a while. And I rewatched it on Tubi or Hulu or something. It's out there available right now, I think. And I was like, yeah, this this stands up because I remember really being bothered the first time I watched it. There's a scene where a human being is barbecued and that hit me so much harder than I thought it would. But I just like imagined that idea of just like being lowered basically onto a grill to have your skin charred and then eaten. <laughs> I was like, oh <laughs> man, like the rest of the movie I was fine with, but that I was like, oh, that is rough. How about you two? Uh, Megan, you first.
2: Uh, I guess I'll third the movie in that I like it too. I I don't understand why it had hate if it if it did. I guess I'm not well versed in Doomsday other than I enjoy it. Anyways, uh, I don't know. I feel like. I feel like there's a movie, any movie that we mention, somebody out there is going to be like, "Yes, I adore that." Um, and I'm
0: Which is good. That's yeah. also the point of the yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> it is
2: the point. And, you know, I feel like we're we excel at, at the show at, at championing the the underdogs. So, that that's what makes this question tricky. I mean, I think we I've mentioned Pet Cemetery, the 2019 one. Um, that one mm-hmm. wasn't as well received, but I I enjoyed that one, so I feel like that tends to be one of the more maligned movies
0: that i love uh i i have vhs viral the wraparound story aspect although i still need to rewatch it i'm gonna rewatch it it this week (laughs) yeah and see how it holds up for me but i've said in the past like as above so below i feel like doesn't get enough credit as a found footage movie i think Um, it's
2: changing now though i think
0: i think it i think there's a huge shift lately if i remember um brad miska wrote an article about it Like, a year or two ago when it came back to streaming on Netflix and and was trying to give people, like, more attention. Like, hey, this is a good movie. Like, why why did it not get – it's only got, like, a 50 or 40 on, like, Rotten Tomatoes. Like, what were you expecting out of this?
3: I wonder if people even watched it. Because sometimes I notice that that's the case, that they don't actually watch it. Sometimes it just falls within
2: cracks or whatever.
3: Especially phone footage, sometimes it
0: automatically loses points just for the format.
2: When when a certain trend, people get burned out on it, it's automatic a a negative reaction. And then time passes and consensus changes, which is definitely the case with As Above, So Below.
0: True. You think any, Xena?
2: Oh my god,
3: I have so many. So, (laughs) um... (laughs) Obviously, well, last week, well, not last week, what am I talking about? A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about Mortuary, Toby Hooper's Mortuary, and I was just really excited. I know so many people hate it, you know, but that's one that I really love. And then, even though I'm not crazy about The Gallows, the first one, I really Mm. like the sequel. I I thought it was really well done. I liked it. Th- I liked the twist. And then even when it comes to Black Christmas, the two thousand and six version, that one is hot fire to me. I love the kills. I think that is creative. So what if the guy is going around making phone calls and just saying get out and get it, telling people to, like why are you talking? You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> But it's, it's just a fun movie I, I enjoy. Um, also, I love The Visit. You know, I know everybody's annoyed with that little boy and his rapping skills, but I don't know. I would give him a record deal. And, um, <laughs> you know, Prom Night from 2008, it is nothing like the original one. I kind of wish that it would have just been a movie separate from it. And I know it doesn't make any sense. I know that it's scattered. I know that it's cheesy. I know that it's predictable. But there's just something about it that really warms my heart. Um, Ghost Ship, you know, people always saying that after the first scene, it's just terrible. I, I I don't, I don't agree, like, at all. And let me see what else. Oh, Wish Upon from, like, 2017 with the Chinese box. Like, it had a whole thing going on. I love that movie. Also, Detention, Valentine, pretty much all trauma movies. Like, I could go on, but I'll just I need stop to
0: rewatch there. Valentine. I remember not particularly liking the movie. But really liking the kills, like the kills, kills each one was like, wow, they actually put some thought into this one. Like it caught me by surprise.
3: And, you know, so what if it's a little predictable? Okay, but it's fun and it's stylish and I love it. So.
0: Speaking of which, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting or movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hey. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday, when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile, too. So, Zena, what's been filling your heart this last two weeks?
3: Okay, well, hello. Okay, so um, I finally was able to knock off a couple of movies that's been on my queue forever. So that's that's pretty cool. When you're sick, you should do that. It, it helps. <laughs> so um, the first movie I checked out, The Indian Horror Game Over from 2019 on Netflix, um, a nyctophobic a nictopho- a nictopho- woman has to fight her inner-, inner demons to say, oh my God, help. Let me just start over.
2: A John, nictopho- help her.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Megan. I was going to say that, n- but I don't, I don't always yeah, want nictopho- you- to put you on the spot by just saying help to you, John. So, okay. A nyctophobic woman has to fight her inner demons to stay alive in the game called life. So I feel like this is a really unique take on the home invasion subgenre. Basically, there's a woman. She's a game designer, and she has major issues with interacting with people. She has to work from home because she just can't be around people. She's also afraid of the dark. She lives in this beautiful two-story house in the middle of nowhere. She has a security guard outside of her house because she's super paranoid, and then it's just her maid who lives with her. Her day pretty much revolves around her working and her, um, at home office slash bedroom and her room, like that office is amazing by the way. So she spends majority of her days like on the computer. And then afterwards she like games, you know? So if you're someone who, who's a gamer, you love classic games and stuff like that, look around her room. You're going to want to live in it. You're going to see some familiar things. Um, you know, after she gets this tattoo, some weird stuff starts happening to her, um, And she starts having like weird dreams. She's hearing voices. She even sees like this woman who gets brutally murdered. I mean, this woman is pretty much stalked at her home. We never know. We never see the killer or anything like that. This person, this is not really a spoiler, but this person pretty much like lights her on fire and then chops her head off. You know, it's it's insane. Yeah. And then, you know, she starts to feel that she's in danger, but she's already paranoid. So you don't know if it's her who's feeling that way or if there's actually something. But then, yeah, she pretty much uh, has to figure out a way to like survive. And what I thought was really just cool about this movie, again, is because it is a home invasion movie, but it doesn't start off that way. It has like a lot of layers. You know, not just only with the main character, because first off, her job is so freaking awesome. Like, I would love to do her job. But then on top of that, she has a lot of struggles in her life, and you can see why she is the way that she is. And then something so simple as getting a a tattoo just pretty much put her whole existence in danger. And something um, I thought was really awesome, too, she states in the movie um, a line along the lines like, you know, what if you know, life is a video game and deja vu is just kind of like checkpoints. So, you know, sometimes when you're playing a video game and you have those checkpoints or you have those saving points and then, you know, deja vu, those familiar things. So something like that kind of happens in the movie where she, she has different chances to, to do things differently. And again, it is, uh, it's been on my list for a really long time. I think since I want to say October or November of 2019, you know, and I just never watched it for some reason, and I'm so happy that I did because this was probably one of the best horror movies I've ever seen, and I know oh, that wow. that's like whoa, yeah, yeah, and even the, like one of the best Indian horror movies I've ever seen. Like, it's just full, it's filled with like layers, like the storytelling, mm. honestly, is amazing. This director, I'll watch anything that he'll put out, actually. He even has his other movie called Maya about this woman who is put up to a challenge to stay in a movie theater and watch horror movies. And it's just like, well, why? What's going to (laughs) happen? I don't know. That's why we we need to find out. But yeah. Anyway, if you uh, like psychological horrors or video games, like classic uh, video games from the 80s or 90s, you may enjoy this one. Um, I really, really, really loved it. So it's on Netflix. Yay! Um, then the second one I watched, another one that's been on my list forever, *A Bell from Hell* (1973) on Tubi. The title makes me laugh. Um, after falsely being accused of being insane and put in a sane and put in a salam, put in a salab, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't know what,
0: One more time, a little bit I'm, louder.
3: Listen, I'm having some tea. It just ah. says.
2: From dunkin donuts i'm sorry <laughs> yes we need this energy we missed this energy <laughs> well
3: i'm not starting over basically there's a guy <laughs> who his family accused him of being crazy you know because his aunt really just wanted to take his money and keep it to herself and give it to her daughters and you know what now he's out you know as soon as he gets out he just wants to kill all of them. And you know, of course, you know, you know that's coming, but his it's pretty creative. Like he really thought about it, you know. Um, he has like the tape set up so he can cover like their mouth and stuff and trap them in the basement and it's just like, "Whoa, I just thought that he was decorating, but he wasn't."
1: <laughs> you know?
3: <laughs> and it's just it's it's one of these movies where it's just like, I'm not going to lie, I think I know why it took me so long to watch it because it kind of reminds me of like a British horror movie. And that's kind of a blind spot for me. I don't really watch a lot of British horror movies because sometimes they're really bleak, you know, and I want to party and have fun. You can't always have parties with like their movies sometimes, sometimes. So, but no, surprisingly, this one was really good. It just kept my attention. Like the atmosphere is really creepy. And um, I really, really enjoyed me, enjoyed it. It's like super creepy. It's moody. There are some scenes that are funny, but it's like awkward funny, you know. Yeah. Because like I said, he he, it's like some of the things he did. He actually was pretending that both his arms were broke, so he can get this guy to help him use the bathroom. And then when the guy did, he was like, "Oh yeah, thanks." And it's just like, what? Like what's? I don't know. It was just random, but I just couldn't. That's stop a weird watching. power
0: move, right there.
3: He was <laughs> he was like he had like monkeys and 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 like. I don't know, cats and birds in his house. I don't know, he would play a piano. It was just all over the place. And that's what I mean. So at first you felt a little bit confused. And I just thought like, okay, because this is like a, it's a Spanish movie. Like the original language is in Spanish. So I just thought maybe something got lost in translation. Um, But actually, unfortunately what happened, the original director, Claudio Guerrero, I think that's his last name, He actually fell or jumped from a tower and he died on the last day of shooting. So then they they got another director and he did the best he could. So it's just kind of like maybe that's what happened. I don't know. But yeah, I I probably will never watch this movie again. But when I did watch it, it really did um, keep me awake and I was highly medicated. So I feel like that says that says a lot. So, yeah,
2: that's that's what I watched. Wonderful. How do you follow that up? Uh, I guess with a 90s classic. That would be Dr. Giggles. I watch Dr. Giggles. Uh, Mm. It's on Stars. And the plot, if you don't know, it's a madman who believes he's a doctor who comes to the town where his crazy father was killed and soon begins murdering people and becoming infatuated with a teenage girl who has a heart condition this movie is so silly in such an infectious way. Uh, Larry Drake plays Dr. Giggles and you spend, uh, I mean, it's definitely more of a traditional slasher, Mm -hmm. but with like that kind of early nineties cheese, uh, like this girl with her heart condition and her really crappy boyfriend. And I thought of Xena watching this because it's been a long time. And I saw... Night of Demons 2, right? I don't remember. Was that a few months ago? We talked about it before. Two cast members are, are like, the teens in Dr. Giggles. And so I thought mm-hmm. of Zena. I'm like, when's the last time you've seen Dr. Giggles, Zena? Oh, it's been a while, but I think yeah. I know which, it's like which one. Z-Boy and, what was her name? BB, Like, the mean... Girl. The mean girl. What was her? I forgot her
3: name, but her real yeah. name is Zoe something.
2: Yes. So those yeah. are the two that are in it and they play slightly different characters. Not so much the mean girl. I think she's still a little bit mean. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's a really fun slasher. I do have one major nitpick with it and it's the same nitpick that I have with my beloved Le- Leviathan. Uh, Dr. Giggles has one competent cop. And he makes it right up into the end and just does the stupidest thing that that Ernie Hudson does, where it's like sacrifice. You did not have to sacrifice yourself for the white girl. No. It made me mad. And, <laughs> and because he honestly, he's my favorite character. The, the cop in this movie, because the teen, like, she's a nice girl, but she's just, like, such a damsel in distress and useless, and so, yeah, like, that's my nitpick, um, but otherwise it's super fun, and, yeah, I think more people should experience the joy that is Dr. Giggles. What an name too. like, what's scary about Dr. Giggles? right? But what's like his is... laugh like crazy? Oh yeah, yeah. He's He himself, like he earns it but when you just hear Dr. Giggles mm-hmm. you, you don't really suspect like anything threatening. And then completely switching gears, I watch Nightmare Alley. I have the Blu-ray. I got the Criterion collection blue. It's a 1947 uh kind of noir-ish movie. It's uh, about the rise and fall of Stanton Carlisle, a mentalist whose lies and deceit proved to be his downfall. It's he basically worms his way under the tutelage of a mentalist at a at a carnival, like a traveling carnival, and does some not so nice things. And he meets some other femme fatales, and things go awry. And I mean, I don't really want to go into the plot more than that because. It's twisty, turny, and it's layered. Uh, Too. This is getting remade. I think it's supposed to get released later this year. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is doing Nightmare Alley Ooh. with mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper as Danton Carlisle, the lead character, and Kate Blanchett and Tony Collette. Wow. Yeah. So this was a blind buy for me, and that was primarily the motivator. And Criterion Collection had it came with cute little trading cards of the the traveling show, but. Is it really horror? No, but there is some kind of moody, creepy stuff with the the sideshow, like the traveling circus. It's mostly like a noir, but it's definitely twisty turny that is genre adjacent enough that I think that people would be into it. And sometimes people just want to watch things like me to prepare for, you know, remake coming out, which, you know, I'm definitely curious to see what Guillermo del Toro is going to do with it. So, yeah, that's what I, that's what I watched.
0: I feel like I've watched a lot of movies the last two weeks, and I'm spacing on a lot of them. I think, uh, if I remember right, Peacock came out with the entire Nightmare on Elm Street collection, Ah. and I watched a bunch of those, and a lot that just didn't hold up. Watched Hell House LLC again, just because it's been too long since (laughs) I I mentioned it. I
2: literally was wondering about this, John. I was wondering, just this (laughs) week, it's been a while, has he forgotten his beloved Hell House? Nope.
0: Watch Tell LLC, watch Grave Encounters. That warms my heart. Um, I tried. I honestly wanted to finish my best friend's exorcism for last week, and then I didn't. And then I was powering through, and I stopped halfway through because I hate the parents so much in that book. Parents they are just so don't well understand. Written. They are the worst to the point where I got mad at a book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that means it's like, doing no- its job.
0: Oh man, that's amazing writing. I wish I could do that. I wish people would not read my books because they were written well instead of the <laughs> other way around. So instead, let's talk about Megan's pick. 2008's The Burrowers on Tubi. In the Wild West, a rescue party sets out to find a family of settlers that has vanished from their home under mysterious circumstances. All right, Megan, why this one?
2: I really like unique creature features. And uh the The way that they layer that in with really jerk people on top of that, I just really, (laughs) it was a really interesting uh, horror Western that I wanted to see if you responded to the creature feature aspect of it as well.
0: Well, if you want jerks or at least creepy people, you can't go wrong with Doug Hutchinson. Yes. Yes. Peak Uh, creepy. For those of you... Who don't remember Doug Hutchinson you probably remember from like Lost or Punisher Warzone or Marrying a 16-year-old.
2: X-Files, that episode. Oh, creepy.
0: Oh, that's Ooh. right. He plays Tombs, doesn't he? The yeah. guy who can like stretch his body out. Again, that's kind of a that's just a good casting. <laughs> um, I did like the movie. My only holdup was I actually didn't like the creature design though. I it, liked the premise. Yeah. I liked what was going on and everything else. The creature design just fell short for me um but you're right it's uh, honestly you show a period piece in the old west i don't expect to see anyone that i like yeah like genuinely speaking like were there really decent people <laughs> back <laughs> in the old west i don't think so um, they are
2: but they die
0: <laughs> yeah they died real early yeah they died from typhoid they died from like rickets yeah they gotta be cutthroat
2: in the wild west
0: yeah, so I did like, and Clancy Brown's in it. Clancy yeah. Brown's good, and Clancy Brown's Clancy Brown in it. It works for me. Um, Cool premise, like the idea, like kind of a middle-of-the-road pick for me. Definitely not my favorite, but I do like a good creature feature. Same. And I, I did like the premise, and I was kind of curious about what was going on with it and some of the interactions, so solid watch, though. Nice. And then I watched Xena's 2013 pick, Evidence on Tubi. A detective hunts down a killer using video footage shot from the victims of a massacre in a, at an abandoned gas station. All right, why this one, Zena?
3: Because I thought that you might, in, might have enjoyed it because, you know, there's some found footage and it has like a cool little twist at the end. And I mean, I just know when I first watched it, it really did surprise me.
0: I really like the genre mashup. I like that premise of using the cell phone footage in the phone footage aspect for the present day investigation. Only thing that really pulled me out of the movie was the really weird choices to pause and rotate. Yeah. <laughs> like, it got a little they were, they, confusing. It got heavy. It went heavy CSI. And scenes where, like, they're all just, like, standing around a computer pointing at a screen, and that's a freeze frame. And then, like, a 360 rotation around them, like, that's supposed yeah. to add drama to the moment. But it came across more like Yui Bullshot in House of the Dead. It was really strange. Like, why is why is the camera panning around this moment important? <laughs> yeah,
3: they do that It was a, a
0: stylistic choice that didn't work for me. I did like the mashup though, and the mashup really works, especially when you're trying to uncover when you're trying to uncover a mystery, mm-hmm. and it was an interesting little twist, uh, to a point, a little bit over the top.
3: Yeah, I think for the did twist, you, did you see it coming?
0: I didn't. I thought that they were being really heavy-handed with who it actually was, and I was just wrong with who it was. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is ridiculous. Like this just seems like a really weird layup for who, what happened, and then I'm like, oh, okay, I was wrong. And I'm okay that it was like, that made me a little bit more okay. Um, there a lot of it relied on a lot of coincidences mm-hmm. to happen, but let's start finding plot holes and stuff. True, like true,
3: and and that's kind of how how I felt. I felt like I I really did love the twist, but then when you think about it too much, it is a little bit like, well, wait a minute, you know, like it's a it, it's like a little bit far fetched, but yeah, yeah enjoyable.
0: I also like it in the idea that technically it is like it's almost it's almost true found footage, despite the fact that it's not a hundred percent first person because it is they're literally reviewing footage they found.
3: True. I was like, they All did right, find it.
0: They did find it. And then I stumbled across one I'd never heard of before, but I had to watch it. It's only like 57 minutes long. It's called Toad Road from 2012. It's on Tubi. A portrait of contemporary youth culture where the lines between reality and fiction are blurred with often frightening results. That's, I mean, thanks IMDb. That doesn't explain (laughs) at all what happened. Uh, So for those unfamiliar with this movie, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd never heard of it before. I was very surprised that there was even a movie about this particular urban legend. But it's an urban legend called The Seven Gates of Hell. And supposedly I'm trying to remember, I think it's in Pittsburgh. There is a spot where there's like a gate. And supposedly this is the only gate you can see during the day. You walk through this gate and then you keep walking. And eventually you walk through seven more gates. Once you walk through the last gate, it's the gateway to hell. Mm-hmm. And things happen like the further you deep or the further in you go, the more quote unquote gates that you walk through. What was really fascinating about this is it's all shot kind of like by a hand camcorder. So it feels found footage, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And But what's interesting is it basically felt like if – did you, either of you ever watch the movie Kids? Yes. From back in like 94 or whatever. Yeah. It felt like someone had turned Kids into kind of a pseudo horror movie. Mm-hmm. So it's really just fo- – it's following around this group of uh, friends who are really heavily embedded in drug culture. And there's a lot of drug use in this, like a lot. It's mostly about kids doing drugs. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of male nudity below the waist of them just being so wasted out of their minds or just being ridiculous with each other. And then within it is this context of... So it's really about this girl who's never done drugs before kind of gets herself involved with this group and about being curious with drugs and falling down like this rabbit hole. And then within all this... comes the seven gates of hell ritual and they drop acid and they go to do it. And, you know, that's towards the end of the movie. But it was just, it was such a fascinating, to me, it's not reviewed very well and I could see how someone might not necessarily like it, but I love the way that it was shot about this concept of an urban legend or a myth or ritual or whatever, but shot in the context of that's not what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. But it happens within the movie. Like, it's about these people whose lives have just devolved into drugs and, like, little else. And their their own toxic relationships and everything. I was super fascinated watching it. Like, it's like a total genre mashup to the point where it's arguably not horror. But it is at the same time. Mm-hmm. It totally captivated me. It's really, really weird. Um, but Toad Road on Tubi. Have either of you even heard of it?
3: I have i I've watched you it. have yes, i I watched it one time, and that was kind of enough for me.
0: yeah, <laughs> I can totally it, see that
3: yeah, it, it's like you said, it is it's really interesting. it doesn't feel like a horror movie. It mm-hmm. feels very raw and yeah. real like really like that, and like it's it's kind of sad because the 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 leading girl, Sarah. Sadly, she died an yeah. overdose, and it was just like, wow. I mean, I just felt like she was really talented, you know, so it's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, she OD'd like the day before the movie premiered. It's crazy. And I guess like the whole cast, like none, none of them knew each other, and a lot of it was largely improvised because they mm-hmm. wanted to rely on actual interpersonal conflict and things that were happening, so a lot of it was unscripted, too. Um, super interesting, but yeah, super sad, too, when yeah. you know the truth behind it. Had you heard of it, Megan?
2: I have, but I haven't seen it.
0: Okay. I thought I was actually going to get you guys on that one. Nope. Okay. <laughs> one of these days I'll find a movie neither of you have heard of or watched. <laughs> I'm going to keep looking.
2: Gauntlet Throne. <laughs>
0: Boom. All right. Speaking of which, Megan, what am I? Oh, before we get to it. What do we watch? How do we watch it?
3: Uh, I watch Game Over on Netflix and A Bell from Hell on Tubi.
2: I watched Dr. Giggles on Stars and Nightmare Alley on Blu ray.
0: I watched The Burrowers on Tubi, Evidence on Tubi, and Toad Road on Tubi. All right, what am I watching next for next week? Uh, Zena, you're up.
3: Have you seen The Lift from
0: 1984? Oh, you know, I've never actually seen The Lift. Despite the fact that uh, I have a friend who does an audio drama called The Lift. And I was like, hey, have you seen this? He's like, yeah, I didn't realize it was a movie. I was like, oh, okay, I should probably actually watch it. Now I have an excuse. Sorry about that, Dan.
2: It's on Tubi.
0: Nice. All right, Megan.
2: I feel like I'm going to stick with Xena's lead and give you some kind of 80s cheese. Uh, Have you seen Slug?
0: (laughs) Oh, I haven't. This is going to be a hard watch for me. That's is it a- on Tubi? It
2: is on Tubi.
0: Uh is it is it anything like Slither?
2: Uh not as bad. No, it's okay. 80s. Uh same director as Pieces, so there are a few moments, um but mm-hmm. I think it's much more manageable for you than Slither.
0: I appreciate that. I will give him a shot.
1: LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.
0: All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan?
2: I picked this because I feel like we really like the deep cuts and uh, exposing some of these underseen gems to to listeners. Um, wild adventure horror Hiroko the Goblin received a brand new 2K restoration just in time for the 30th anniversary of its initial 1991 release. And that restoration is making its international premiere online at Japan Cut's Festival of New Japanese Film. It uh, this comes from the director of Tetsuo the Iron Man, Shinya, <sighs> Shinya Tsukamoto's follow-up. It was studio-backed this time, so, you know, Tetsuo was very, very sp- strange industrial body horror avant-garde. Uh, this time, though, his follow-up was studio-backed, which means it's a little, little bit more conventional. Uh, it's a bizarre adaptation of Daijiro Morohoshi Yokai Hunter manga. It's a manga-based, but loosely. Uh, The studio behind it supported Tsukamoto's vision, allowing a far looser interpretation and continued experimentation with techniques and stop-motion animation. As a result, Hiroko the Goblin delivers over-the-top visuals, practical effects-heavy showcase, gory spectacle that channels the early Gonzo works of Sam Raimi. Uh, So if you like Sam Raimi's uh, early... He's Evil Dead 2-ish, I think, in tone. Um, The genre mashup blends campy humor with gruesome body horror. It's a wild ride. Uh, The plot is... Called to an idyllic countryside town, disgraced archaeology Professor Hieda teams up with high schooler Masao when a series of disappearances, including those of his father and classmate Reiko, take place. Together, the unlikely duo discover that the local high school sits atop an ancient burial ground mound that may be a subterranean gateway to hell. So uh, Japan Cuts Festival of New Japanese Film is North America's largest festival of contemporary Japanese cinema. It returns for its 15th edition as an in-person and online hybrid event running from August 20th to September 3rd, and Hiroko the Goblin will be on view for the duration under the Fest Classic section online. So by the time the episode drops, uh, tickets will be available on sale, um, and also just a, as a little aside that's bits. uh fantasia international film festival is also running now through august 25th in montreal and online if you're in canada uh popcorn frights runs in august uh runs august 12th through 19th in a hybrid format as well if you're in the u.s so basically if you're looking for some uh genre premieres and and stuff like this then uh, just google search we'll drop some of these links you know in in the section but yeah, the festival season is heating up, so you have lots of access with all of them still doing, like, an online format. But back to Hiroko, uh, I know that Xena's seen this movie.
3: Yes, I have. It makes me so happy. Because they you have these demons who, like, they take your head and they put it on, like, a spider-like spider like body. And But I don't know. I kind of like it. Like, I want one. I want to name it Nemo and just <laughs> it with me. <laughs> It just, it's just a really funny movie. And it's great because since it's, we're in the season of Back to School, you should definitely watch it,
2: John.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next week, put it on your list.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's a wild one. And it's, if you know, if Tetsuo is a little too much, this is definitely more accessible than Tetsuo. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk a lot about all of these new series getting announced and and greenlit, so it feels fair to only mention one that's not coming to streaming anytime soon, and that is uh, Overlook, the TV series. There have been talks over the years about projects that would tell the story of the fictional Overlook Hotel from The Shining, including a prequel film that was at one point going to be directed by Mark Romanek. Uh, And the latest is a series that was announced last year. HBO Max and J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot, at the time, were teaming up for a series called Overlook. Those plans have changed, though, because HBO Max decided not to go ahead with this series. So they are currently shopping around. Uh, The company uh, company and studio Warner Brothers Television are currently shopping the show, expected to land in a new home soon. Uh, Deadline reported this, and they noted that I hear HBO... Max Brass liked the project but felt it was not a fit for them at this time. The show had previously been described as a horror thriller that explores the untold stories of the Overlook Hotel, which you know, I guess there's a lot of history that they could delve into but this news raised the question for me anyway um, is there a time limit do you think on when classic horror material kind of, you cannot really go anywhere with it? Um I mentioned that, or I guess this it raised this question for me, because Doctor Sleep was a sequel almost 40 years after The Shining that did not perform very strongly. Like, obviously people love this movie. It's critically well-received, but it did not perform very well. So, you know, I I kind of... We might have even talked about this, right? Where we're not sure that generations are even familiar with a 1981 movie like... The Shining, does that play, do you think that has a, a play at all? Do you think that it may be Dr. Sleep's underperformance made HBO pass? Or do you think that, you know, there's, there's a statute of limitations on when you can kind of revive a, an older property and make a sequel from it or a prequel or a sidequel versus a reboot?
0: I don't know if it's so much that there's a time limit as much as a desire. Like, I know I've said this before, that I don't, I don't, necessarily need backstory to horror i always think it's scarier to not know certain things or necessarily the next step like what's going on next um i don't think there's necessarily a time limit on the shining either i i can't i'm not sure what the numbers were last year with covid but at least in 2019 the number one selling horror novel was the shining like the shining is still the highest selling horror novel all these years later year after year after year by a lot compared to the next person. So the content's out there, and I think that the interest is potentially there. But there's also a massive disconnect between the novel and the movie. So that could be part of it too. Like people are reading the novel like, okay, well, this isn't the same. And maybe people that enjoy the novel didn't want to necessarily watch Dr. Sleep because the novel was, the novelization... The Stanley Kubrick version was so different, despite the fact that uh, Mike Flanagan tied the two together. Right. Like, he brought, like, Dr. Sleep, like, he he connected it to, like, the original, or to the, the Stanley Kubrick version. So, I don't know if it's necessarily time as much as desire. Like, maybe, and ma- frankly, maybe people are going back to the Stephen King well too much. Like, it's too much of one thing. Like, okay. Yeah. We get it. We like him. That's fine. Yeah. And we have some different voices.
2: Yeah. Right. I definitely agree with that. you have any thoughts yeah, on Yeah, no, I,
3: I, I agree with John. I also think that, um, well, just going back to that, I don't really think that there's a time limit on it, but I do think that maybe it's because of how Dr. Sleep, like what happened with it, with it in theaters, because even though I know people who really love it, I know right. some people who didn't even go see it. and They still exactly. haven't watched it. So, I mean, it's unfortunate because it sounds like it could be a pretty cool series. I mean, maybe it's more fitting for like, apple or paramount plus or something you
2: know maybe they'll pick it up Uh, apple has got a lot of good stuff so Mm -hmm. that would be a great fit for anybody really speaking of dr sleep mike flanagan's midnight mass is premiering in netflix on netflix in september uh netflix and mike flanagan are joining forces once again. They previously worked on uh, Gerald's Game, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor together, and now they're tackling another horror series called Midnight It All seven episodes will be directed by Flanagan, and it will be available to Netflix members worldwide starting September 24th. Uh, The first trailer dropped, along with that news of its uh, premiere date. Um, He wrote in the press notes for this release that Midnight Mass is my favorite project so far. The ideas at the root of this show scare me to my core. Mm. Uh, And I do believe that that has to do with his Catholic upbringing. Because Midnight Mass tells the tale of a small, isolated island community whose existing divisions are amplified by the return of a disgraced young man, played by Zach Guilford, and the arrival of a charismatic priest, played by Hamish Linklater. When Father Paul's appearance on Crockett Island coincides with the unexplained and seemingly miraculous events, a renewed religious fervor takes hold of the community. But do these miracles come at a price? The seven-episode limited series also stars Kate Siegel, Rahul Aburi, Crystal Blint, Max Spidell, Alex Esso, uh, Rahul Kohli, Annabeth Gish, Robert Longstreet, like a lot of the same players that have appeared in his previous works, It's executive produced by Flanagan and Trevor Macy for Intrepid Pictures. And I do want to note that uh, it has ties to Hush and Gerald's Game. If you remember, Maddie Young was writing Midnight Mass in Hush, and uh, it happened Mm. to be a book that uh, they were reading, um, well, before she got handcuffed to a bed, in Gerald's (laughs) Game. So, yeah, it's uh, kind of like this weird little Flanagan universe I assume that you both are also on board with any new Flanagan show or movie. Yes.
0: Yeah, you you'll at least pique my interest. Frankly, when any horror director says that like that material is what really gets them. Yeah. No, it might not get me, but I'm really curious to see that. I'm always interested to see like where where those like deep psychosis really lie. Like where's that line for them? Or that's like difficult material.
2: Yeah. Well, I am pumped.
0: All right, listeners, your turn. Wondering exactly how one becomes a disgraced archaeologist? Think HBO Max made a mistake overlooking Overlook? Let's hear about it. Numbers 224 Numbers also in the show notes, or feel free to email us at podcast at gmail.com, or keep an eye on our social media accounts for a chance to ask questions. Finally, is going to make all our lives easier and a sea of horror movie options, and clue us in on what's appearing soon we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching?
3: So obviously, besides from bloody disgusting TV, on Tuesday, August 10th, we have "Bleed with Me" coming to Shudder. During a winter getaway, and isolated in an isolated cabin, a self-destructive young woman becomes convinced that her best friend is stealing her blood. Whoa! Then <laughs> on Thursday, the 12th, slasher "Flesh and Blood" season four. It's coming to Shudder. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited about it. It just looks amazing. Just go watch the trailer. Uh, we also have the stairs. The stairs will be in theaters for one day only, and it follows hikers in a woods who stumble upon a mysterious staircase that leads them to a subterranean nightmare. And then on Friday, Friday the 13th, woo! Yeah. Brand new chair. <laughs> <laughs> you are the best hype woman! Okay.
2: <laughs> I'm in your corner. Go
3: thank you okay brand new cherry flavor it will be available on netflix it's in a limit it's a limited series based on a novel of the same name by todd grimson a filmmaker heads to hollywood in the early 90s to make her movie but tumbles down a rabbit hole of sex magic revenge and kittens they have me at the kittens so i will be watching and then also don't Brief Two. it's going to be in theaters so yep the blind veteran man he is back uh this time he has to save a young orphan Orphan from a group of kidnappers. So there you go.
0: And that's Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to hear more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. it can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at Lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod, or drop us an email at BedisgustingPodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook at The Bloody Disgusting Podcast. And for even more content and rewards, check us out on Patreon.com slash where I will at some point be watching VHS viral and actually talking about how I feel about the wraparound. So for this week, I'm John.
2: I'm Megan.
3: I'm Zena.
0: Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, watch something you love, just make sure it's something bloody.